0: Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. It's been a hundred days. One hundred days. Since... A group of genocidal sex crazed terrorists broke into Israel and killed 1,200 people. 100 days since hundreds of hostages were taken hostage. Hundreds of people taken hostage. Residents, innocent civilians taken hostage. 100 days. And in those 100 days, what have we learned? We have learned that the world doesn't care about Jews. We've learned that Jew hatred is rampant across the world. We've learned that life in North America for the Jewish people has pretty much come to an end. We've learned that in North America and around the world, in Europe and North America, Jews are not safe in their homes. We've learned that a genocide could be committed against the Jewish people, and the Jews could be the victims, the clear victims of a genocidal attack, and yet somehow the media and some well-paid anarchists will be able to twist the story around and convince the world that the Jews are the ones who are the oppressors and not the victims. That Jews are the criminals. This is what we've learned in a hundred days. In hundred days we've learned that the lives of hostages that were taken by this genocidal sex death cult are irrelevant. That nobody cares about the lives of the Jews that were taken or the hostages, some of them aren't even Jewish, that the hostages that were taken including babies, infants, babies Nobody cares. The world does not care. We've learned that anti-Jewish, pro-genocidal, sex-crazed, death-cult supporters can pretty much do whatever they want and get away with it. They could block bridges. They could attack people who are shopping in shopping malls around the world. They could scrawl graffiti on buildings. They could pretty much do what they want, no permits needed. And the police will bring them refreshments. We've learned that even though there are genocides happening around the world, even though there's oppression of people around the world, even though there are at least six, seven countries that are killing people in their countries indiscriminately, the country that was a victim of a genocidal attack and who is defending itself can be hauled into the International Criminal Court and brought up on charges of genocide. We've learned who our friends are. And we don't have very many of them. We've learned who is naive But the most important lesson we've learned, and the lesson that should stick out in the minds of everybody, is that a Holocaust could happen again at any time anywhere in the world. That a massacre of Jews could happen in a flash. And nobody, nobody will come to the Jews' defense. Nobody will try to save the Jews. We learned which of our neighbors and which of our friends would turn us in in a heartbeat if push came to shove. We learned that as Jews, although we feel comfortable living in the towns and the countries that we live in, are not really welcome in these countries. We've learned that our politicians cannot help us nor do they have the will or the fortitude to help us. We've learned that we're on our own. And that as Jews, if we don't stand up for Judaism, if we don't stand up for our people, if we don't stand up for the country, then we are responsible for anything that happens to us. This is what we've learned. We can't rely on anybody else to come in and save us or protect us. We must protect ourselves. We must do it fearlessly. And we must speak fearlessly. And we must, we must teach our children not to be scared, but to stand up proudly as Jews. This what we've learned in the last hundred days since the October 7th attack on Jewish people. Now the world has forgotten that Hamas started the war. The world has forgotten the unbelievable atrocities that Hamas committed against Jews, innocent Jews, who were sleeping in their beds, who were behaving and and, and not bothering anybody, and just celebrating life, dancing at a peace festival. The world seems to have forgotten the Jews that were killed on October 7th. But when it comes to condemning the state of Israel, when it comes to condemning the Jewish people for defending themselves, for going after the terrorists that came to kill them, oh, that the world doesn't forget. The world remembers how to do that very well. The world is very good at remembering on how to kill, how to condemn Jews. And the world's very good at applauding when other people kill Jews. When we hear the chant, Intifada revolution being bantied around as if it means nothing. When we hear the chant from the river to the sea being bantied around as if it means nothing. And all the apologists trying to explain that no, from the river to the sea does not mean the genocide of the Jewish people, does not mean the destruction of the state of Israel. Come on. We know where the river is. We know where the sea is. Unlike most of the people chanting that slogan at these rallies. We actually know which river and which sea they're talking about and we know what's in between. So if you're going to tell me that Israel is not in danger and if they're not calling for the destruction of the state of Israel when they chant from the river to the sea, you're not only delusional but you should seek medical help immediately. We're not stupid. We're not dumb. We've lived through genocides before. We understand when people call for our destruction. We understand when people are calling for our genocide, for the genocide of the Jewish people. We get it. We understand it wholeheartedly. We understand it so well. You don't have to explain to us that the Jew hater wants to kill us. You don't have to tell us that when our enemy says we want to murder you, That we believe them. We don't have to say that. You don't have to tell us how serious our enemy is. When they come to say, we're going to murder you. You don't have to convince us. We know. We've been there. We've done that. We've seen this movie before. We've experienced this before. This is not new to us. And I don't know why people keep thinking that the Jews are stupid and the Jews don't understand. We understand very clearly what it means when our synagogues are attacked and vandalized. We understand when politicians call Israel an apartheid state, even though Israel is the only state in the region that allows anybody to live in it. Yet somehow Israel is the apartheid state, not the states that threw the Jews out and don't let Jews even come to visit, forget about live there. No, that's not apartheid at all. We get it. It has nothing to do with land. We understand that. It has nothing to do with wanting peace or not wanting peace. Because if the Arabs really wanted peace with Israel, they would have had peace a long time ago. That's not the goal. And we understand that. We understand if this was a land war, then the Oslo Accord should have just dealt with that. That should have been the end of it. We get it. It's not a land war. It's a religious war. We understand. It's a war, not even of cultures. It's a war of religion, where the Muslim people believe wholeheartedly and for whatever reason that the Jewish state, that Jews should not be in the Middle East. We understand that. We get it. And we get that being murdered, being attacked, the terrorism is all a ploy to try to scare the Jews out of the region. It has been like that for the last 70 years. It will continue to be like that, we understand. But we are not going to sit back and allow a genocide of our people to happen we are not going to sit back quietly and allow our neighbors and friends to rise up and create an atmosphere in any country that's going to allow for the massacre of Jews. We are not going to allow that at all. We're not going to sit quietly anymore. We are not lambs. We are not lambs that are being led to the slaughter. This is not happening. The Jewish people are a strong people. We're, we're resilient people. We're a strong people. And if our organizations have failed us, which they have, our Jewish organizations have totally failed us, then as individuals we must stand up and we must fight, and we must argue and we must fight, and we must stand up for ourselves, for our country, for our people. We have no choice. And those of us that choose not to are contributing to the destruction of the Jewish people. Now, you could disagree with me. and That's fine. You could call in one 669 1292 If you want to talk to me, you could call in. Feel free. But this is where we're at now. Where we are right now at the point where the Jews have to rise up. And the Jews have to say, never again means something. The Jews have to rise up and have to say, we are not going to take this anymore. It, it has come to a point where we have to rise up as a people, as a unified people, and we have to declare that we aren't going to bow to the Jew-haters. We are not going to allow the Jew-haters to define who we are and where we are and where we're allowed to be. We are not going to allow the Jew-haters to cow us into submission. We are not going to bend. We are not going to be flexible. The state of Israel is there and it's going to stay there. Hamas will be destroyed and our hostages will be freed and we must speak loudly and we must speak clearly. Simple as that. We have no choice. If we don't speak loudly and clearly, we will end up as yet another people in the dustbin of history. Nobody wants to end up there. Now, I know we have faith that God is watching us, and we do. We have faith that God is protecting us, and we are the people of God, and we, we, we are. And we have all the faith in the world that the Jewish people will survive. But even in times past, even in times where it looked like the Jewish people were in trouble, And only a miracle would solve the issue. And we're at that point now where where we need a miracle. We saw the hand of God. But it only came when the Jewish people decided that we weren't going to take it anymore, that we were going to fight back. And we got to do it. We just got to get up. We got to fight back. Where are the Jewish protests for the hostages? No, I'm not talking about the vigils where hundreds of Jews get together and say Tehillim and then uh, and, 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 and read out the names of the hostages that are still being held and then go home to watch television. I'm not talking about those. Where are the angry protests? Where are the protests like the Arabs are doing? Why, why are the Jews not protesting like the Arabs are protesting? Saying, our men are being held. Our men and women are being held. Our babies are being held hostage. It, it, we demand that they be released. Where are the Jews? Where are the strong Jews? Where are the resilient Jews? Where are the Jews that care? Years ago, when the Russians were being held behind the iron curtain, nobody was being allowed to leave. Natal Sharansky was a folk hero. Jews were in the streets every single day. Standing at the Russian compounds, standing at the Russian, uh, uh, Russian embassies. And screaming, let my people go. Mordechai ben David released a song, let my people go. Where, where are the Mordechai ben Davids of today? Where are the Jews standing in front of, uh, of every embassy in the world? Screaming and yelling. Demanding for the freedom and for the freedom of the hostages being held by Hamas. Where is the world condemnation? The UN or anyone? condemning Hamas for holding these hostages, for not allowing any humanitarian organization to go and see them. Where are all the condemnations? Where are the people who are angry about this? And, and and if you'll notice they're not angry about it, then you have to ask the second question, why? Why are people not angry about this? If you care about babies and you're yelling and, you know, stop killing Gazan babies... What about the babies being held by Hamas? Why aren't you yelling about them? Don't they deserve the same chance at life that the Gazan babies deserve? If you're not yelling about the Jewish babies that are being held, or the Jewish babies that have had rockets falling on their heads for 18 years, if you're not yelling about those babies, then the obvious conclusion, the obvious answer to the question is, That you're a jew hater that you don't care about the jewish people and that the only time you will get up and you will argue and you will fight and you will scream and you will put your 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 feet on the ground and run into the street is if the jews are involved in some kind of in some kind of uh, action that's the only time that you will ever put yourself out you are a jew hater Now, uh, it's fine. You have the right to hate Jews. I'm not going to say you don't have the right to hate Jews. You definitely have the right to hate Jews. Uh, We live in a free country. I'm never going to stop people from wanting to hate somebody else. You want to hate? Go ahead and hate. I tell you it's much better to love. But if hate is your thing, then go ahead and hate. But don't expect me to lie down. And accept your hate, don't expect me to lie down and accept that you want to come and kill me and just and just be a just be a target. That's not gonna happen. I'm not the kind of guy who's gonna lie around and, and wait for you to come and kill me. I'm gonna do everything in my power to not only stop you, but to stop your friends too. It's totally unacceptable. That the world sits quietly while Jewish life is in danger. It's totally unacceptable that the world sits quietly and condemns Israel when they didn't condemn the murder of Jews. Completely unacceptable. one is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm telling you, it it just gets me, it just gets me angry. And we see the Jew hatred expressing itself in various ways. So over the weekend, there was a story that came out. It wasn't a new story. It's something that's been going on for a while. About a, a, a group of Chabadniks, a group of Chabad people, expanding their synagogue in New York City, 770 in New York City, to a building, a nearby building that they owned, a uh, the building behind them. Uh, and the way they did it was they, they, they knocked through the basement, and they, they knocked on a wall, and they tried to expand the building that way. Illegally, uh, expand the building that way, without the permission, by the way, of the building owners. The building owners did not give permission for them to do that. In fact, it was the building owners that called the police and had them arrested. And I saw so many different posts, so many different angry posts at the Jewish people, calling them uh, everything from child molesters to human traffickers, you name it, they were accused of it. But the truth of the matter is, and the, the truth of the story, is quite simple. A radical young element of the synagogue decided that they needed more room to pray so they took an old building that they had uh, that they owned that the synagogue owned and that was the, that existed right behind the synagogue and they dug a hole between the two buildings and connected the basements that's the truth that's all that happened the other building had been abandoned for 20 years they hadn't used it in 20 years it was just locked up and they connected the two buildings illegally there was no human trafficking. and there was nothing else going on. In fact, they even had a video rendition of what it would look like after the construction was finished. And it looked like a nice place. It looked like it was going to be really nice. Although the building didn't, uh, the, the management and the administration didn't approve of it, it looked like it was going to be a nice place. But the, the, the virile anti-Jewish sentiment that came out after the story came out was just crazy was just absolutely insane when you look at the protests in Toronto uh, the, the biggest protest in Canada is happening in Toronto it's um it's on a on a bridge overlooking the Jewish community and and you see you see hundreds of people showing up there and you have to wonder Who's paying these people to be there? People tend to want to work during the week. Don't seem to have time. A lot of people don't have time to go to protests. How are these people surviving? Who's paying them to be there? I wish there was an answer to that. But if we, uh, the Toronto Sun newspaper came out with an answer to that question, and they said they, they tracked the money down to a couple of very rich people, Want to destabilize America? Check it out on Toronto Sun's uh, the Toronto Sun newspaper's website. There's a huge article there. And they track down the, the the funders of these protests, these paid protests, to a couple of very rich men who want to destabilize America? They want to destabilize America. That's that's their idea. Let's take America, destabilize America, get rid of the governments that exist in America in Canada by extension, and create a Marxist-Leninist state. This is their goal. This is their, this is exactly what they want. It is the same goal that the BLM activists had when they burned down America. It's the same goal that the Palestinian Liberation Organization had, destroy Israel. Same goals. All these, all these movements have the same goals. Defund Wall Street, defund the police. It's all the same all the same units, destabilize the world's governments, rip them down and create something in something that you feel would be a better version of whatever. It's kind of scary. Now, we've gone through this before because I, I pointed you to an article, uh, well, I pointed you to a video of a man named Yuri Brezhnev who, who was a KGB agent and he he left the kgb and he went and he um and he became a professor at various universities and he and he he really laid it out he said the kgb had a the kgb had a mission to destabilize america and they figured by 2021 22 america would be destabilized and they had he laid out the entire plan and if you take a look at the history of america and the history of american activism you will see that that plan is, is, is in full effect. The, the results of that plan we're starting to see now, the cracks in America. And if you take a look at the resistance movements that, that cropped up in the 1960s, everyone from the Black Panthers to, um, to, uh, to, to the Nation of Islam to the Jewish Defense League, you will see that the majority of them have the exact same logo fist like this. The majority of them, a fist like this. Why a fist like this? That was a solidarity that was a solidarity um, uh, image for socialism. For the socialist uh, Bolshevik revolutionaries. Their image was like that too. All those groups that have that image, that have that image as their, as their, and that was Black Lives Matter too, right? It was that image there. All those groups that have that image, the fist, were all created in some kind of Marxist-Leninist vacuum with the sole goal of destroying and destabilizing, um, the destabilizing America and overthrowing the government and creating a Marxist-Leninist state. Now I I'm not gonna be on here very long tonight. I um I'm still recovering from a uh, from, from a very bad virus that I that I had gotten. So I'm I'm not gonna be on very long. Uh in fact we're we're gonna go off. I'm gonna go off in a couple of minutes. Uh but I want to tell you that um, I'm gonna be on a little more often, but I'm telling you as I'm battling this, uh my stamina has not been back to the way it was supposed to be by now. And uh, although I don't normally share my, my health woes with you, I don't have very many of them to share, so I don't normally share my health woes, this one here has really taken a toll on me. And so um, uh, this show has been a little sporadic lately, but we're going to try to get back to a regular schedule. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you again next time right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Have a good night.